people will, uh, let's say kids will see me on the streets and say, I'm Migugin. Mm -hmm. Like the Wegugin, I mean, the Wegugin word is not even like, you know, it's not even you, I mean, it's not being used by people that much. Like people will ask me, you're Migugin, which means, are you American? You're American. Mm -hmm. And I would say, um, no, I'm not American. And they would say, but you're a foreigner. And I'd say, yes, I'm a foreigner. So, migugin. <laughs> so, it's kind of <laughs> sort of like that. And uh, I usually have this uh, term that I uh, use to, um, like, describe people on the subway way back when they see a foreigner. Mm. Uh, I, I call it the, the crab walk. Mm -hmm. Like, they walk sideways when they see you coming to them. Because, you know, the way that we stand on the, on the platform, it's kind of like, yeah. like, like we're side by side. Right. And then they see me at the side, uh, in, on the side of their eyes. And then they start to walk like a crab sideways going <laughs> to the next, yeah, next door. You know, because sometimes I, I still, when I was new here, I have no idea. I haven't used the subway. There wasn't any subway in the Philippines. I mean, mm -hmm. there was, but uh, it was just in the big city. So it was kind of like, I really wanted to know if I'm in the right platform or I should be at the one in front. But uh, people really do the the crab walk until they reach the end of the platform, and then they turn around. So that's that's what I used to call it. But these days, really, honestly, it's so different. Yeah. Uh, people actually come to you, especially the younger generation. I mean, even the older generations. If you look like you're lost mm -hmm. or you lost something, like people will come up to you to, hey, can can I help you? Do you need anything? It's mm. something like that. And um, but what the big difference is the fact that um, they're not used to having people like me. I mean, people of you know from Southeast Asia right. seeing people like me around. Um, my neighborhood way back then, um, we have a lot of people in my neighborhood who would often um, tell me or ask me about, you know, where I am from. And they're all just so curious how I ended up being in Korea. Um, I think the, um, uh, it's not, it's the training system for the workers. It started in 1991, but they're still not used to it because this is the city. I mean, most of those workers or foreign workers are going to like factories right. in, 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 in the provinces. So they're still not used to seeing a lot of, me going around yeah. but they're used to you know seeing western people going around so it wasn't that big of a deal but when they see me it's sort of a big of a deal for them and mm -hmm. uh it was like they're just curious how i end up here i mean they would still they would ask me questions and mm -hmm. um they would not even blink while asking me well how much does your husband make Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of right. like, it, it's, it's sort of taboo in many other countries. I mean, how, why, I mean, why would you ask someone how, you know, how much their spouse make? Yeah. But, um, yeah, they do that. And that, that's actually out of curiosity. That was how it was way back then. And, um, I used to remember a mother-in-law would often look at me and will, uh, try to, uh, show me mm. like appliances like electrical appliances in the house like she would okay she would open the refrigerator and say 
it's cold, right? Right. This is a Ningjango. It's like, oh dear, we have a lot of that. And this is a pop tone. You know, it's, yeah. it's something like that. It's like people are not used to having people like me going on around and about. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they want to show you everything. They want to show you the fridges, the kimchi, and all of it. Yes. What was uh -huh. the What was the city like, Jasmine? Because now it's you know it's the infrastructure, the subway. Yeah. What was it like in the in the mid nineties? That like Seoul. It's um, it's it kind of like if you think about it and how Seoul looks like right now. It's mm. um. Like if you say if you compare it to people, yeah. like it's the younger generation. You know there are less taller buildings. The mm -hmm. tallest building back then was like the, the sixty three building mm -hmm. in Yeouido, and uh, but I was still so amazed to I mean, to see it as a, really I I've seen it because I grew I was born in Manila, I have seen things in Manila, but then again it's kind of like um, it's different. This is uh, for me, for me at least. I I see Seoul as a really bustling city, but it's not. Um, I know it's not as congested as it is right now. Mm. If I can say that, yeah, I, I think so. It's not as congested as it is right now, and but it's still, you know, it's 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 um, it's a big city. Right. I mean, because I'm just looking at. All of, and in the mixture, I was really so amazed by the mixture of how um, you know an advanced city just like Seoul can actually you know where I mean culture and then modernity can exist uh, in one particular place. Like mm, I would see yeah. the palaces, and then I would see the buildings right in front of it. I don't know if you have uh, stood up inside the Gyeongbuk Palace and looked out. Uh, to the Kwanghamun uh, Square, mm. and you're going to see, you know, wow, this is like, you know, I'm seeing, like, from inside the palace, I'm seeing how the city has changed that yeah. much. Mm -hmm. It's a great time warp. That part of the 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 city, in particular, the Kwanghamun. Um, one yeah. thing that I've got huge respect for you for is your Korean language skills. I mean, oh. I'm, I'm battling with it myself. I do lessons twice a week still to try to keep up with it. But you, uh -huh. it, it's something that's impossible to master, perhaps. But what was your experience like in learning the language? Because, you know, you, you've got such hold and mastery of it. But what was that like for you, Jasmine? Uh, before I came to, because I uh, dated my husband for a year. We dated for a year and a half before we got married. So, um, mm -hmm. I, I can still remember when he sent me this big box and I said, wow, what a gift. I mean, from Korea. And I was opening the box just to see yeah. like cassette tapes. <laughs> that was way back. <laughs> so there's no CDs yet. Those were cassette tapes of Korean language and books oh, uh, where I can learn about Korean language. <laughs> yeah, see that? Of Korean language and mm. Korean culture. I was really, really young then. I haven't been out of the country because I was just 17 then. And uh, I was like looking at all of these books and, you know, it's all in English. I mean, I still have that particular book right at this moment. Wow. That's like That's what, great. almost 30 years ago. And I mm. can see, you know, all of my, my, myself scribbling on the book, all of the scribbles that I had from book. And I did not even use a pen. I used a pencil because, you know, <laughs> I, I, I have to 
make sure that uh, you know I can rewrite them again. So I basically can read um, and write in Korean before I came to Korea. Mm, that's cool. and uh, but I don't have no idea what I'm writing or what I'm reading, but I can read it. I mean, I can voice it out. I yeah. can read the syllables and all of that. And I was really so. Um, I was really in awe when I got on the plane and I can read all of those stuff, you know, inside the plane and they were in Korean. Mm -hmm. And of course, because it's a plane, they, they, they had it in Korean and they had it in English as well. So it's kind of like, oh, so that's how it works. Um, but then again, I, uh, as you can see, I love talking. I mean, I, I, uh, this, that's one thing that I really love and uh, being a part of a very big family with, a Grandmother, I arrived in Korea with a grandmother-in-law, a mother-in-law, a father-in-law, and a brother-in-law wow. who doesn't, they don't all speak English. Mm -hmm. Only my husband does. And um, yeah, uh, I figured out earlier on that I should learn the language, but I have, I've been fascinated by the language. I think it's also got to do with the fact that uh, I moved to Davao City, to the provinces in the Philippines uh, when I was 12. Mm -hmm. And that's and if you know about the Philippines, we don't even call all of those different languages dialects. Okay, you know all of the because we some people would often say they are dialects, but they're totally different from each other because it's an island nation, and uh -huh. it's kind of like here in Korea when you don't really understand someone who speaks the Jeju-do Korean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's totally different, right. and um, I think I uh, I was in sixth grade in elementary when we moved to the provinces, and I was really so it was a difficult time for me because mm -hmm. I don't speak the language, and the kids would make fun of me because I don't speak the language, and uh, I swear then and there that uh, I'm going to master this language, and I'm gonna. I'll do all of you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like an attitude. And yeah. so when I came to Korea, it was kind of like for me another province back in the Philippines that I need okay. to learn the language as well. Okay. And I had a lot of help because I live with a lot of Koreans. It definitely helps. I think living and speaking to Korean people helps. The okay. attitude helps. Perhaps your yeah. age being young, you know, yes, you're a sponge then. When you're old, mm -hmm. it's so hard to remember things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is, were there anything else? Just one more on the language, because a lot of people try to learn the Korean language. We mm -hmm. know how important it is. Like, are there any mm -hmm. other sort of tips or advice you would have on people trying to get the language in their way of thinking, in their brains? Yeah, the very first reason that I tried to really learn the language was uh, along with that box with the books and the cassette tapes for mm -hmm. the language learning. My husband sent me two tapes. Yeah. Um, it's me. Uh, it's from. Um, uh, okay. and Park Chung-un. So they're singers, like they're very well-known singers during the time mm. in the 90s. And uh, I really loved some of their songs that I tried to memorize them without even understanding what it is. And I still remember the fact that uh, I sang this, uh, it's it's a song from Park Chung-un. It's called Mon uh, Okay. And I sang it to my husband, not even knowing that it's actually a song about breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's yeah. funny like that. You realize that later on, you sang it lovingly to someone when yeah. in fact, re later on you realize that it was about oh, breaking no. up. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons. And when I came to Korea, I got um, really into the dramas. 
Yeah. And uh, from like we would often say Koreans, why can't they learn English enough when they have been like learning it for 12 years in school? Mm. And I would say, because it's the same in the Philippines, except of course we use the same alphabet as the English alphabet yeah. uh, in, 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 you know, trying to spell out Tagalog. But the thing is, um, uh, we spoke a totally different language. We learned English in the school. You right. know, when we were attending school. So it's kind of like, I thought it's going to be the same year, but it isn't. Definitely sure. it isn't. So um, uh, when you are in a country, when you move to a country, to a new country, you tend to uh, pick up on the conversational uh, part of the language first. Absolutely. And then it's hard for you to write, which is kind of different for Koreans because they're good at writing in English, but they cannot speak it that well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's the other way around for me. So what I did way back then, and it was even difficult because newspapers way back then have a lot of hanta or you yeah. know Chinese characters in them. Yeah. And what I did to practice my writing ability is just to copy. Um, like we have lots of um, calendars that we don't use. We get from here and there. We don't mm-hmm. have that these days anymore. But way back then, like calendars are pouring in from from all different agencies from all different stores mm. and like it's like the in thing to give to your customers or the in thing to give to people so we have a lot of calendars and I used to just rewrite what I see on the newspaper at the back of calendars okay yeah that's how I practiced my writing and back then I mean I did not have a cell phone now, a lot of people had a cell phone and mm. I just used to you know write my friends letters I mean slow mails Mm-hmm. Really yep, through yep. the post, and um, writing it made me, you know, I it may it might not pop out on your head how to write it, but your hands know how to like. Okay, this is not how it is written. You look at you right. you write a word, you look at it, and then you remember. Okay, this is not how it is written. And one of the uh, best things is not of is that I'm not afraid to uh, make mistakes. Absolutely, like. Mm-hmm. I just blurt out every single thing that uh, pops to mind whenever I wanted to speak in Korean. So it sort of helped in a way. Um, my mother-in-law would often, I don't remember because people would ask me, when did you start you know, speaking Korean mm-hmm. uh, to other people? And uh, I don't remember when, but uh, my mother-in-law told me like in less than a year of uh, you know, living with them, I started mm-hmm. to speak to them in Korean. That's great that you did yeah. that. And I think having people like, well, Puck Mi Gyeong and the Puck Jong Un, the, the singers mm-hmm. and also the family, it helps you get into it. I still, by yeah. the way, have three calendars on my desk in front of me. So I applaud <laughs> you. They're still here. I don't know why I get them, but I'm using them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm using them. Um, uh-huh. I, I'll never forget, actually, the first time I dreamt in Korean. That was weird to me, like waking Ooh, up and yeah. all of a sudden I was like speaking Korean in my dreams last night. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's fascinating. Um, yeah, and I think in a way, um, I was f- so afraid to speak in Korean because I was so afraid of sounding so foolish at first. Mm. Um, I was in Korea for three months and I have to leave and go back to the Philippines for a month because I was here for a tourist visa yeah. back then. And then I came back for um, for another tourist visa. But that was like after a month of being in the Philippines. And lo and behold, yeah, I don't know what happened after you know not speaking korean for or not hearing korean for one month i came back to korea with a yeah. different 
uh, with a different like perspective. Okay. So I really tried to speak in Korean and I, I, I don't know why, but I seem to remember. I mean, that particular one month mm. gap gave me, you know, made, maybe gave me time to think about, you know, how to, to, um, regarding the language, because I went back to the Philippines and I speak little Korean and people yeah. will, and people, it just amazed people. And it sure. just gave me, you know, the courage to, okay, I should learn this more. And when I came back to Korea, it's, it's, it be, it became a lot easier for me to mm. get a grasp of the language. Yeah, I think that perspective is really important and perhaps that time away. And again, full respect for you for everything you've done with it. From those tourist visas that you were just mentioning, mm -hmm. Jasmine, you eventually become a nationalized Korean. And so, yeah, that was back in 1998. 1998. Uh -huh. And there aren't as many, we often read about, you know, Korean people getting nationalities going the other way for various reasons, mm -hmm. but it's not as mm -hmm. common or it's not as in the news as much. What was the process mm -hmm. of becoming a Korean national like was there a test was there a ceremony what was it like doing that oh no way back that was in 1990s that was in 1998 when I got okay. my citizenship so what was it like? but um mm. there were no exams there were no nothing I mean wow when I first got married um I was given a dual citizenship right away when we reported our marriage okay yeah, so it was really, really different. When we reported a marriage, when I came to Korea, I was given automatically a dual citizenship. Mm -hmm. And I was asked, and I was given six months to okay. decide whether uh, I would take my Korean citizenship and give up my Filipino citizenship. But way back then, I thought, um, well, I'm still studying, I'm still in university, mm -hmm. and I have to go back to the Philippines and finish uni before coming back to Korea and, you know, changing my nationality, if that will be the case. Mm. Um, but then again, things don't go as planned. We, sure. we, we had a baby and, and I had to stay in Korea. So uh, being a Korean will make a lot of things uh, different. But then again, I did not change my citizenship in that six-month span of time. Mm -hmm. And what happened was uh, I changed my citizenship because my name did not appear on the Jumindungok Tungbon, you know, the right. family registry here yep. in Korea. Yep. Um, because my my son's name is there, my husband's name is there, my, his entire family, because we live mm. together, is in there. Oh, yeah. But I wasn't there. So it's kind of like hard for me to prove, mm. it's kind of hard for me to prove that, um, you know, this is my son. Mm -hmm. And it took so much, because it took so much fight with you know with ngos with uh you know it took so much fight with all of this um civic groups yeah. to be able to put our names because we are foreigners mm -hmm. in the family registry yep. now when that when that first happened i don't know if you have seen this like light blue paper that i'm saying yep i know it well yeah yes and um when it first when it was first approved that you know if you're a foreign member of the family that your name can appear on the Jumindung Nuktungbon mm. it was like if you see you see all of the names of the people living in that particular um, address and then you you, you see a line mm -hmm. that says Iha Opsum uh, so there's nothing under this line yeah. and then your name pops on under it isn't it funny it's, yeah it's legally separated despite being family he, isn't it yeah, so Iha Opsum and then your name pops in. So we yeah. had to fight for it. And now and now, you know, it's all there. It's uh 
uh, you can see uh, even if you did not change your citizenship. But that was one of yeah. the reasons that I changed my citizenship as well. Um, you know, just to have my name on paper and for mm-hmm. me to not have any hardship when I go to places or, you know, even then, way back then, if you want to go and uh, make a library card for your kid, you actually mm-hmm. have to prove that you're actually his mom. And that's the only um, paper that proves that you're his mom. Yeah. Yeah. So thing. it's, yeah, it's it's different way back then. Uh-huh. It's it's great that you got it. And I do know that things are, have gotten better since then. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear that there was no kind of test or anything like that. It was just... yeah. Given There's right no now. nothing. No. Uh, and that was the reason uh, of the changes. That was the reason uh, that there were a lot of changes every single year with the nationality, yep. uh, you know, with uh, changing nationality. Because back then it was uh, reported a lot um, mm-hmm. about, you know, um, other nationalities marrying Koreans uh, for, you know, just to get the nationality, that just mm-hmm. to get the citizenship because you automatically have the citizenship citizenship within six months. So uh, they take advantage of that and, uh, you know, they just um, get the citizenship, then get divorced because right. they get, they got the citizenship already. And I did not even have this days when you change your citizenship, you are given like a a certificate that you actually uh, you're a naturalized Korean. Mm-hmm. I did not have that way back. Wow. Yeah. So it was really different back then. It's really, really different. In terms of um, citizenship and understanding, like there can be some people that don't have Korean citizenship, that don't have that Korean nationality. Uh, they might mm-hmm. be American, for example, but sometimes Korean people will still see them as Korean. And mm-hmm. you can have naturalized citizens like yourself and you you, you have the Korean passport, everything legal, but are not quite considered Korean. There's that kind of minjok thing that comes in sometimes. Yeah. What, uh-huh, what uh-huh. was your experience with that? When you had that nationality, were you then considered Korean? Did you feel Korean or? Of course not. Mm, it would be a lie if I said that, yeah, I automatically feel like I'm Korean. But mm. one of the thing I think it's it's. I think an attitude that I have, mm. um, I have, uh, I have always been an optimist, you know, so I see things in a very, very different light. Like, um, my friends would often call me like the, uh, the, uh, uh what do you call it? The positivity guru. <laughs> <laughs> like, nice I try to, yeah, the positivity guru, like, like if my friends are lost or you know if they are disappointed at something, they will just call me and said, "Okay, I need your positivity. So mm-hmm. you know, put it on me now." So um, I still remember those times, and uh, I did not feel that it's, uh, but it did not matter. Or maybe time, a lot of time has passed already that I don't mm. even remember how I felt during that particular time of my life, but. Um, but, you know, of course, all of the questions, it just goes with how I look, Yeah. you know, with how I look. So, you know, when people see me, of course, automatically, they won't think that I'm Korean and there's just, there's no way. Like the first question that I always have had is, mm. where are you from? Sure. Where are you from? So uh, um, it's, yeah, I have never, um, but I did not think of it as something that I don't belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the positivity guru is actually working in there. So uh, I did not think 
of it as being, you know, not belonging, except for mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, um, I don't really have friends and family here in Korea and my family. I'm I'm in a new environment altogether, but I'm trying to, you know, get used to it, to adapt to it. Maybe I, I just try to think that, well, you know, people can be like this because I've moved from the city in the Philippines to to another city in the province and it was really a difficult time for me and I was younger then but uh, I was a bit older when I came to Korea and I was thinking well well this is a piece of cake yeah. like you know even if they don't consider me as you know a part of the group uh, because I am new here that's something like um, of course that will happen like mm-hmm. yeah, it's so. sort of something like that so I did not really I did not give it much thought way back then. I would think so. Right. Uh, but if, of course, you know, you being asked questions like, you know, do you know this? Do you know how to use this? Do you know how to eat these? Do, you know, does Philippines have this or that? Yeah, that makes you feel like you're not really a part of it because they don't really ask that to other people. Right. But I, I, I love the attitude where you can't necessarily change how people are going to treat you, but you can change how... You react to it, you think, and you, can, yeah, and, and you yes. can have that positivity, positivity guru attitude, and uh, mm-hmm. it makes dealing with it a little bit better. Looking yeah. at a lot of your work, uh, you know, you're so associated with the concept of multiculturalism, and you know, mm-hmm. when I was going through it, you, even your attitudes towards multiculturalism, multiculturalism changed over time, from wanting mm-hmm. to change the term to accept it. And yeah. I guess the first question I want to ask is. Do multiculturalism and pamunwa mean mean the same thing? What do they mean? Like, how do you understand those terms? Well, um, I only, when I started to talk about the term tamunwa, when I first came here in Korea, there's nothing. There's no term here. There's only wekugin. There's not even ijumin. There's not even like, um, there's not even like uh, an ijuyosong. There's no word. There's just wekugin. Mm. Uh, Wegugin, like your wife is Wegugin. There's just this one word, which would and, mean something um, like outsider or something foreign. Yes, outsider is yeah, well, yes, yeah, foreigner. Yeah, they he's married to a foreigner. Mm. Like I'm married. That foreigner is married to a Korean. It's yeah. it's it's that's the only term that existed way back then. There's no other term that people would use, mm-hmm. and that they don't even use the term iminja because, as we know, the term iminja actually. Um, pertains to someone to a Korean who moved out of the country. Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. That's I don't know if you can hear that, but that's my my coffee machine turning off. But anyway, <laughs> <It's fine>. uh, <laughs> okay. So um, there's no word such as that. So I have never given it any thought actually. But when uh, they started to introduce the word tamunha, they, mm. it started to make rounds in uh, in the newspapers there wasn't even a word called multiculturalism in the philippines when it's actually you know it's it's there are a lot of people who are from mixed backgrounds in the philippines mm-hmm. having spanish backgrounds japanese backgrounds chinese backgrounds mm-hmm. american backgrounds and there are a lot of people who got married and who migrated to other countries and the, the term iminja they don't even use that on me way back mm-hmm. here in korea because as i've said you know imin means you know those going out mm-hmm. of korea those koreans pertaining to those koreans going out of korea so when the word tamunha started to make its rounds on the newspaper i said oh wow 
this is great. Like people are trying to notice us, you know, that there are people like us who are not just foreigners, but are settling in Korea already. Mm. So it was, it was, uh, it was a welcoming, yeah, it Mm. was a welcoming thing for me. And then I started to, um, uh, that was back in the early 2000s. And I started um, broadcasting in 2005. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, suddenly, you know, Love in Asia popped out. Um, You know, those love, I don't know if you still remember that TV program called Love in Asia, but it's a TV program where they show the lives of multicultural families. Okay. It's one of the longest running way back. I think they stopped it in 2015, but it went for 10 plus years. That program was one of the longest running program of KBS way back then. Wow. And they just show the lives of multicultural families. And the, the real goal back then was to actually um, tell people that, you know, multicultural families are people like us. Absolutely. You know, our families like us. But then again, of course, people will try, people will look at it differently. You know, you are given one particular view of the lives of those people and you will have, depending on your, um, what do you call this? Depending on your perspective, depending on how you understand how um, other people and other countries are, then mm-hmm. it will, you know, how you look at, the program will definitely differ. And I was just, it was a welcoming thing for me. But then again, it began to be, as I have said, um, mm. the, why the media has a very, very big role in, in, in making that stereotype about Tamunha is because mm. of those sort of programs that, you know, because like, I'm just going to give um, an example, like people will see, because in this program, um, they document your life here in Korea, yeah. and then they go to your country of the uh, foreign spouse. They go to the country of the foreign spouse, and then you know document the life of the life of her family there. Okay. Now we have different standards when it comes to looking at people and how they how people live. Like yeah. you can be someone who are like from middle to high range. Um, uh, families in 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 the philippines but that would not look like it here in korea yeah you know the way that you live you know the way um uh that your house looks like might not look like uh you know what a uh, middle to high range families look like Mm. here in korea so you know they they just try to get all of those in by like oh no oh no, my God, that's a pity they live in this kind of a house or that kind mm-hmm. of a house. Right. So they make their own assumptions that, you know, you don't live well back then. And that's what happens. I mean, if you have seen a lot of uh, Southeast Asian, um, uh, I mean, neighborhoods or Southeast Asian um, uh, countries, you mm-hmm. can actually like, especially if you are someone who, who, who's living in a city such as Seoul, it's really, really different. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, yeah. So I think, you know, looking at that and always, and of course, this is the media. They're on the opposite sides of spectrum. You know, when you have a TV show, you Mm -hmm. either make people laugh or you either make people cry. When I first came to (laughs) Korea, the people that you can actually, because those in the middle are documentaries, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I first came to Korea, what I saw on television were Ida Doshi. You know, uh, uh, Iha, I think that's Hali, 
uh, is that Robert Harley? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So uh, you see them during like Thanksgiving or during like the Lunar New Year mm. on special shows, and they kind of like either speak odd Koreans or they 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 make them sing, they make them yeah. dance, they make them like. It's a funny thing to see a foreigner in media way back then when I first came here in Korea. Mm. But then come 2000 and the rise of the numbers of multicultural families. And then you get to see, you get to, you get, they get, they realized that, you know, they can't make fun of, you know, the foreigners coming in because we have different problems that's being shown on, on, on the news, like, you know, the high divorce rate or, Mm. um, uh, foreign spouses actually just getting married and then running away or kids being bullied or, you know, rural a- men from rural areas who cannot get a wife, a Korean wife, trying mm. to get a wife um, in Southeast Asian countries. So it, it stuck to that, that that name multicultural family yeah. became a label of some sorts for those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are they are not the normal family. And they are not those family in the, um, um, you know, these are families who need help. Yeah. That's how they are assumed to be. And uh, that's how the word tamunha became, you know, became in an instant. It became like a word that even multicultural families don't really want to use. Sure comes another label mm. doesn't it to differentiate yes so you're not us you're, uh-huh. you're that thing and it becomes then easy to yeah. talk about those people instead of actually talking to them i guess yeah it's so funny because when the that that uh when ta- the word tamuna became uh, a pol a word uh on the policies of the government it was really so um amazing because it's a new word and i don't know like it felt like people think it's chick to uh, be mm. able to use the word yeah. and like oh say oh so you're tamuna right so they think that it's trendy a, at, at first it was like a positive thing that they're using mm. a um, a what do we call that a term that is um you know a legal term mm-hmm. um a new term so it kind of looks cool or might sound cool or chic or you know make you sound like you're knowledgeable mm. so oh so you're tam- a tabuna family that's how it started and then you go on a trip there was this an, this event when people actually just um uh, when multicultural families and ordinary Korean families come together. So, you know, we know how uh, people live, you know, just a get together. Yeah. And then they see, and then they see Chi in a way like, okay, multicultural, okay, Tamuna families in this bus and Korean families in this bus. Mm-hmm. And that's how it happened at first. At first, they thought that it's a word that you're trying to respect mm-hmm. this particular sector of the society until it became a label altogether. Yeah. But uh, it, it's interesting. So it was a term of sort of being progressive or modern, maybe it even started with good meanings, but then how yes. it plays out. Was there, just to stay on this topic a little bit more, you've mentioned sort of people going on television and also the foreign bride situation, both huge topics, mm-hmm. right? But uh, yeah, there is sometimes the tamanwa on television is represented kind of sometimes by people like me. I've had loads of television experiences mm-hmm. and that's the... Like the white people do. Yeah. Uh-huh. Was it hard or did it make a difference to have different types of 
foreign people, non-Korean people, people from Southeast Asia, all other parts of the world, because they're a huge demographic. Uh-huh. What was it like getting that on media and representing those realities? Let me give you the, the negative part of it first. Okay, sure. um, when we were doing Love in Asia, I was a, um, I was a regular um, panel uh guest panel in love in asia so mm-hmm. i was there every week and it was uh the time slot of love in asia was the time where a lot of people are actually watching television like that's um i think that's the time uh like, like i think that's the seven o'clock time to eight okay. o'clock and this is and before eight netflix and everything so everyone's on yes, television right? everyone's yeah. on television and yeah. um like the seven to eight timeline is actually a prime time, a mm-hmm. prime time uh, time slot in Korea because yeah. the eight o'clock you start the daily dramas where a lot of people are waiting for it because this mm. is KBS mm-hmm. and uh, you know a lot of people are waiting for those daily dramas, ilil drama, and yeah. they are actually just you know sitting in front of their TV starting from six o'clock in the evening all throughout until nine o'clock until the nine o'clock news. Mm. So that's what happens. And, you know, there are a lot of viewers. They, it, 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 I think the highest it got, I don't really know, but it's it, yeah, Love in Asia got very high viewer ratings. That's why they put it on that primetime slot. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> the thing is, we say, and then during that time, Love in Asia came first and then Misuda came after. I don't know if oh, you have yeah. heard of I it, but Minyo Dure Suda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So these are, you know, chit chat with global ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh actually means, you know, minya dure suda, you know, pretty talk with pretty ladies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. And the ladies <laughs> Yeah. And the ladies that you see on Love in Asia are married migrants. You know, they are married to Korean, they are part of a family. And most of the uh, mm-hmm. not most, but all of the uh, women that you see in Misuda, they what uh, what their goal was to have single women living in Korea gathered, uh, you know, single foreign women living in Korea gathered in one particular place and uh, space and uh, in one particular program yeah. and talking about cultural differences and all this and all that. Mm. Now, the biggest thing for me, the biggest shock for me came at a time when there was something that was being said. I mean, Misuda is a variety programming you know it's supposed to make people laugh whereas love in asia is actually you know a a documentary program about families where people always cry their eyes out Mm -hmm. almost always so it's like it's in the different uh you know different ends of the spectrum going for the tears but then again yeah yeah. so but then again in misuda they will say because they concentrated on culture like they concentrated on how it is in France and how it is in Korea and how wrong it is to do this in Korea mm. and how odd it is to that Korea is doing this and other countries are not doing this. Mm. So they they actually are trying to, you know, um, give uh, their opinions, some of them negative, most of them negative. And then most of the viewers in Misuda will actually say, Ah, maza, maza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not mm-hmm. really a big problem with Koreans. They, they try. I mean, a lot of people are actually more um, accepting. But that was the, the time slot for Misuda, I think, was 11 in the evening. Okay. So you have a different, uh, you have different people watching the show yeah. than those in the prime time waiting for the daily dramas. You know, they're the older generation yeah. set on TV at seven. And most of the 
all uh, younger generation starts their television viewing at 10 o'clock because of those dramas, mm-hmm. of course, 10 o'clock and, uh, and up. So it's, it's like that. The society was like that way back. And then we say the same thing that someone mentioned in Misuda. Mm. And uh, we had a different reaction in Love in Asia. I mean, the next day, we found our, our boards. There were still bulletin boards on, on programs uh, on the internet. And it was bombarded with complaints. Wow. I mean, how could you think of Korea that way? And I began asking people, why do you think we got different um, answers from people? Like, it's okay for these people, and why is it not okay for us? And mm. one particular person actually told me that, because your family, I mean, they posted it actually on the bulletin board, but these mm. women are supposed to raise Korean kids. How can they think Korea, uh, how can they think of Korea that way? Wow. It was, yeah, it was slated as that. So since we're family, since we're going to raise young Korean kids, we are not supposed to think negative about Korea. And for for, for those in Minya Duresuda, mm. they can't speak their minds because, and people can be so welcoming of it because they're visitors. And you know how Koreans are when it comes to visitors. Yeah. They wanted those people to go back to their countries and speak highly of Korea. You know, speak of how friendly and then mm. how open is Korea. And for us, um, it's sort of a, well, you're here, you're going to stay in Korea. So you have to think positive. That, that was how it came to me. That was how I understood the differences way back then. Now, um, a lot of people will, they always, they almost always compare. Like, you know, these are not those people that from, the, you know, that we see in love in Asia. Those are not the kind of people that we want. But those people who are from Minya Duresuda, they are like college students, exchange students. They're studying here in Korea. Right. They probably might be, you know, college graduates taking their master's or their PhD here in Korea and they're trying to learn Korean fast enough because it's a prerequisite in university which is different from you know those women getting married to Korean men so uh, they are amazed that they can speak good Korean like those are the kind of women that we want not this kind of women Mm. It, it, it felt like that during just looking at that two particular programs back then it, it's fascinating to consider that the same idea or any sort of criticism uh-huh. or observation of Korean culture, it would be accepted if young, single, pretty, or sometimes white people said it. But yeah. then if the, the people that actually live here and have families here raise the same issues that they would be told mm-hmm. not to mention those things. So it's the identity that plays a real big role. Yeah. Winner. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have seen actually one of your columns about, you know, talking about the identity, uh, the Korean identity and how important it is. And uh, yeah, um, that's about it. I mean, those people are visitors and you are here to stay. So you have to have you pride in that particular Korean identity uh, because you have to raise, you know, Korean kids. Mm-hmm. It was it was how I looked at it during that particular time. A lot has changed, maybe not a lot for, for, for many people, but still changes are happening. I, th- I uh, think so. I think South Korea is slowly getting a, a little bit more critical of itself. There's yeah. Not like the gukbong uh-huh. everywhere. There is slowly becoming mm-hmm. that in the dramas, the news, the movies. The yeah. slowly be- It's putting the lens on itself a little bit more, I think. I don't uh-huh. know. Do you agree? or? 
Yeah, I would think so. Um, I mean, the society itself is changing. I mean, the government itself is changing. I have tried when I was a member of the assembly, I have tried to actually make sure that, you know, um, uh, like, for example, the Multicultural Family Center. Mm. Um, I was one of those, which was a very big surprise for many Koreans working at multicultural centers or, mm -hmm. you know, working for multicultural family projects. It was a big surprise for them that when I went to the assembly, I actually agreed on because we have like 218 multicultural family support centers mm -hmm. and we have Konggang Kajok. Sinungwan. Yeah. Like we have a Konggang Kajok center, you know, a healthy family center that are supposed to be for Koreans. And the multicultural family support center are for, you know, multicultural families. So they were separated again. They were separate. There were right. 80 like Konggang Kajong centers, healthy mm. family centers and 218 multicultural family support centers. And mm. I said, um, you know, they should be together. Right. As in, that would mean we will have like 218. 98 centers that all of the families here and in, in Korea can go to. Yeah. And, uh, but then again, they were so surprised because it, it's of course about, you know, about the policy that, you know, if you mix two together, I mean, where can we, I mean, we have to concentrate on multicultural families because they need more help. Mm -hmm. But I said, you know, the more um, separate you, the more you separate people. Yeah. I mean, the more difficult it is because all of these kids are going to grow up and they're going to work. They're going to go into the mainstream society and you don't divide. There's no divide in the mainstream society. And if you, you know, mm -hmm. if you, I mean, if you raise them separately, um, what will happen? That's the, that's the same answer that I gave the uh, the, the Ministry of Defense when they mm -hmm. called me. That was back in 2010, 11, I think, I, before I even became a member of the assembly. I got a random phone call. I don't know if it's random or I don't know where they got my phone number, but they yeah. said it was from the Ministry of Defense. And they were asking me, um, now, uh, 2011 was the year when it became mandatory for multicultural family kids, you know, kids mm. from multicultural families mm. uh, to go to the military when it became mandatory. That was that particular time. And they were asking me, uh, what do you think uh, should the Ministry of Defense do for these multicultural kids coming uh, to the military now because it's mandatory? Yeah. And I, I could, why are you asking me this question? And they was they were like saying... Oh well, you know, we have seen on the newspapers, on 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 TV, how you know they were bullied, how you know they were discriminated upon, and we don't want that to happen because the military is a society in itself, a small society mm -hmm. in itself, and it's really conservative, and uh, we don't want that happening in the military. So you think? So what's your suggestion? I asked them. So you think we should make a different like platoon for them or a different base camp for them? And I only had one question to to throw at them. I mean, yeah. if if a war comes, will they be fighting separately? <laughs> like this it's is, true. Yeah, yeah she, she stopped and yeah, she stopped and then she said, um, "No, together." So why are you training them apart? Yeah. And that was the end of the conversation. It's it's my main goal. So when they were asking me about multicultural family support centers, they. Um, most of the people are actually think we're actually thinking that uh, I'm going to go for you know in support of you know having it separate, but no, not for me. Right. I mean, if you have the same projects, why not just do it one step 
you know, have another step. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's an easy, I, I ha, I've been looking at it at an easier perspective, I don't know, that people can't get. Like, for example, both of those centers will actually have, like, like let's say, a flower arrangement class. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have a flower arrangement class, class, you actually have a beginner class, an intermediate class, and an advanced class. And uh, the teachers are, are asking me, um, what do you think will happen? I mean, if we mix both together and they are both at a flower arrangement class, I mean, Korean, if we um, try to do to speak Korean mm. for multicultural families, that will make it like, you know, um, a boring for Korean mm. families. And if we speak fast, if, if if we speak Korean fast yeah. to for for the Korean members for the Korean uh, students, you know the multicultural families might have a difficult time trying to adjust to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told them so. So language is your only problem because we're all human being. I mean, yeah. what we see, we can copy. I mean, language is the only problem. So why not have you know a a a, a lower um, inter uh, lower beginner level where you know multicultural families where you acquaint multicultural families or foreign spouses with the words that you use when it comes to flower arrangement. I mean, there's mm-hmm. not much talk about flower arrangement. I mean, you can actually just show them how to do it because that's how flower arrangements are. You have to show them right. how to do it, and so you can have a lower uh, beginner level, and then you put them together. In the beginner level, and then you can have a lower intermediate level mm-hmm. to acquaint people with the words that you use for the intermediate level, and then mix them together in the intermediate level with the Korean nationals. I mean, that's how we do it, step by step. We just yeah. have to make one more step to be able to more inclusive for all of the members of the society who were not there from the start. I, I really agree with your idea that it should be about integration rather than exclusion yeah. or separation, because. If you separate people, then how many degrees of separation? Because not yeah. not all Dhammanoa is the same and everything. Just to put one big group doesn't work. You mentioned, yeah. you mentioned very briefly, Jasmine, that um, when you went into politics, and this is another one of your huge achievements in, in the history of Korea, that you become the first non-ethnic Korean to become a member of the uh-huh. National Assembly, a legislator. Um, uh-huh. So... Really interestingly, you joined the Senori Party, Senori Dang, the Conservative yeah. Party, 2012. Mm-hmm. What was it like going into the National Assembly? And isn't it interesting that you joined the Conservative Party rather than, let's say, the Democratic Party at that time? But... Yeah, that was a lot. That was a uh, that was a question that I gotten so much from people. Okay, sorry. Uh, when I started, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I when I start, but I I really love to uh, explain that particular part to people because you know i mean honestly in korea i mean in the bigger picture there's no really a great divide between the democrats and the conservatives just like it is in the u.s Mm -hmm. you know that's how i perceive it i mean being you know being a part of that particular group you know what they call the uh Less than one percent of the nation. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, uh, when I first um, was in politics, the reason I first came to politics was because um, there's this particular NGO uh, who wanted to to have a project entitled uh, "첫 지방 uh, 첫 이주 여성 지방 의원 Project." 
si Bang mm-hmm. Uywan Mandulgi Project. So, you know, first uh, married migrant woman member, uh, the making of the first married migrant woman member of the city council. Yeah. That was honestly in detail the uh, the title of the project itself. And because I was on television back then already, they know that I could speak Korean well enough and they were looking for people you know, to be the spokesperson of the project itself. And they needed someone who actually speak Korean good enough. I mean, mm-hmm. fluently. Yeah. And uh, I really didn't want to join um, that particular project at first, but a lot of friends, uh, but they contacted KBS and, they, you know, the, the, the producer talked to me. I mean, mm-hmm. I can just join the program. And some of my friends actually wanted to join the program um, itself. So, so, okay, I said, I'm going to join the program, but that doesn't mean I wanted I want to become a politician. It's not, I have never thought of it. Mm. And uh, when I joined that particular, uh, that particular project, that um, the uh, director, I Mm. think Isa, the executive director of that particular um, NGO is or was a, uh, member of the Democratic Party who also became a uh, a ministry of culture sports and uh, minister of culture sports and tourism so uh, she is a member of the Democratic Party so all okay. in all when we were doing the project itself as as it went by mm. um, we realized that you know if we are going to go into politics it will be for the Democratic Party I mean mm-hmm. that makes sense right yeah. because this is a project from you know from a group under the democratic party itself and uh and then when we finished the project after two years they gave all of our um that was uh, in 2008 mm-hmm. and the elections were in 2010 for the uh, lo- the local elections for for 2010 mm-hmm. and they gave out all of our um resumes to different parties mm-hmm. because of course this is a project that they get they that they got budget from the government so they needed to actually um see you know what kind of a result they will get mm-hmm. and uh i got a call from uh from back then it was Handaratang. it wasn't senioridang even okay, yeah. Yeah. so i got a call they asked me to be you know they, they're giving me the proportional representation seat for Gyeonggi-do, which makes sense but i turned it down because i have never lived in Gyeonggi-do. And I said, you know, maybe if it's so, it might be different. And then they passed me on to Seoul. And then they said, um, I said, uh, if you're not giving me the number one proportional representative Mm. seat, I'm not doing it. (laughs) So it's it's not actually what I had in mind was not actually, you know, not actually going to politics itself, but being represented when Mm. we start this. Because this is the very first time that a a non-ethnic Korean is going to politics here oh, in Korea. Yeah. So it's a sort of that kind of a thing. So this has always been um, and mm-hmm. then so when I turned it down, I mean, the very, oh, oh, I forgot because there I, I did it four times. The very first was a Chiyokku. It's for a district. Mm-hmm. They called me up and it asked me if I wanted to run for a district. And I said, are you crazy? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> what? district i mean i am new to politics i'm not even a politician i don't have a a, a politician family i don't have a mm. polit- political background or whatever and now you're asking me to uh, to totally run for a district and then mm. they gave and then they asked me for the kyonggi-do mm-hmm. um, slot and for the seoul city slot and they were giving me offering me number five slot but i told them 
No. And so that was it in 2010. And then 2011 came because for the 2012 um, uh, national elections. Mm -hmm. And it was also Senator who offered me that particular slot. Why for a proportional so representative. You, Jasmine? What was your take? Why were they well, that so was desperate? the time. Hmm. That was the time that uh, they're trying to actually change their image. Mm-hmm. That was the time that it was. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was kind of a time when you know they are actually losing. Uh, they are actually afraid of losing uh, of being the minority okay. in the government so you know they wanted to change they wanted people to see that they are changing mm-hmm. and for me honestly it did not matter which party i asked the group i asked my mentor what she thinks of it and why are they coming for me and yeah. I mean, why they why are they asking for me to join the party every single time and she says you know Nobody knows about multiculturalism here in Korea. Nobody knows about the migrants. Nobody cares that much about the migrants here in Korea. And if you can have a voice in uh, in the assembly, this will mean a lot for all of the migrants here in Korea, for the, all of the immigrants here in Korea. It doesn't matter which party you are a member of. Mm-hmm. And that's how I real. And that's uh, when I took the offer. And when I went to the assembly to it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the Democratic Party don't know anything about migrants. Mm. Um, they're not really, nobody actually, not the Democratic, not the, the conservative, not Senuri Dang, not Min mm. Dang. No one actually is really in any way interested. They would actually talk about it, you know, have press conference about, uh, um, about the laws or about the bills that they're trying to push, but they are not mm. really into it deep. You know, they're just, you know, like testing the waters of some sort. And uh, when I moved to um conservative I mean to the Chongidang or mm. the um uh justice uh justice mm-hmm. party. Yeah. It's the same. I was really so surprised because when I joined the party I told them, okay, can you please give me all of the uh campaign pledges, you know, all of the policies that uh uh justice party members have uh you know have passed to you know have written. Yeah. And they cannot show me any. Wow. And that was the big surprise. So that's I told them, you sad. know, it hmm. yeah, that's kind of sad. That's really, really sad. They gave me like a a half a page, hmm. uh, a half a page of a presidential campaign pledge. I I I I think hmm. it's either a presidential campaign pledge or a presidential um, uh, not a presidential or a national elections, you know, campaign for multicultural farms or for workers. Mm. But you know, a half a page? Are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> From the Justice Party as well, in and and that was like recently, 2019. You joined. Yeah, them. that was re- yeah, and I've been there in 2012, and we had our first like member of the Kyonggi-do uh, uh, Council in mm. 2010 of non-ethnic Korean. A member of the Kyonggi-do Council, she was given the number one proportional representative, and she's from Mongolia. Mm-hmm. So you know, we that there's that ten plus year, almost ten year history. Yeah, I mean ten plus years of history, and still no, what? you know, no, no, no bills or no policies. Why is being that? written for this? Is, there's a I don't of, know. There's no votes in it. There's no interest in it, or. I think in the Liberty Party, what they are actually trying to explain to me, because I, not the Liberty Party, the Justice Party, what they mm-hmm. are trying to explain to me is the fact that they can only get, you know, 
maybe six people maximum, five to six people maximum um, in the uh, in the assembly, and they have so many agendas yeah. to look at. And because there are no people who are really um, experienced when it comes to immigration, to, to immigration and migrants, I mean, they haven't really thought of it that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got a lot of issues so, that they're, they're, they're going yeah. with. So yeah. have you thought Women's about like issues, the uh, workers' issues? Have you thought about the the Jasmine Dang with that one? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people actually were. I don't know. They were joking about. You know what? You should make like a a an immigrant, you know, party. You yeah. know, party for immigrants here in Korea. And I was like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? But the last elections, in a way, mm. made me um, think. Uh, made me think of the possibility of that happening in the future. Not necessarily me, um, you know, making a party for immigrants, but the possibility of it happening. Now, last elections, uh, last national elections, I, uh, I am the only one who made it through the preliminaries okay. within the party. I mean, because everyone, I mean, there were a lot of changes with the, um, you know, with, with uh, the constitution when it comes to elections for mm-hmm. that particular 2020 um, national elections. Right, the proportional representation. Of yeah, the proportional representation. Changes. Yeah, But it wasn't big, right? It mm-hmm. ended up, you know, it ended up um, going back to the, uh, the way that it used to. Sure, yeah. Now, the biggest problem is that I can see was, you know, people are trying... And this is something that I also, um, a lot of people also mentioned, you know, democracy for minorities, like mm-hmm. democracy is a very big thing. It is a very important thing, yeah. but this is not enough for the minorities. I mean, we have voting is a democratic, uh, um, is a democratic thing, right? It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having the opportunity to vote is is democracy actually you know trying to pick your own candidates but the thing is um every single party back mm. in 2020 back in the that last year in the elections mm. they've had um non-ethnic koreans vying for proportional representative seats mm-hmm. but they all way back I, it was a kongchan for me you know mm. i was given a slot by the party mm. you know by the power of the party but this time, because of the changes uh, regarding, you know, regarding the election process, mm-hmm. especially about the proportional representatives, everyone should be voted for, mm-hmm. not given a slot. And uh, what's funny is, you know, this is the first time, uh, I mean, non-ethnic Koreans in the political arena is not, is really a very new thing yeah. in the political arena here in Korea. You're it's really first. a very new thing. Mm. Back, I was the first, but back in 2000, but back, back, back in 2020, we had um, uh, from, that's Kumi Nahim, right? This mm. time, Kumi Nahim and Minjudang. We have non-ethnic Koreans vying for the proportional representative seats. I mean, Minjudang had uh, Wonokum, who is a, an activist and who's from Vietnam, mm-hmm. uh, right? They had, I think, three, two to three people from non-ethnic backgrounds vying for proportional representative seats. And I was the only one for the Justice Party. Mm. And, of course, 
they wanted it to be democratic. So, you know, people from the party and people from outside the party were given proportions mm. to vote for the people that they wanted to, to represent, the proportional representative slate in each party. Mm-hmm. But how many people would vote for non-ethnic Koreans? Right. And that's really so sad. What, uh, I mean, nobody made it in any other party besides me. Mm-hmm. I made it to the top five. I think it was top five of the uh, proportional representative list in uh, the Justice Party. That is through votes mm-hmm. from party members. And I, I made it. But then again, because we are a small party and we are actually trying to push for the young people to represent the party itself, I've got pushed at, at to the back. Mm-hmm. But then again, nobody made it. No, no non-ethnic Korean made it in other parties. I mean, you can see how difficult it would be. It's like yeah. running for a district, uh, for a district slot, uh, for a district slot when all of the foreigners here in Korea, all, all 200, uh, 2 million of us are scattered yeah. in the country. There's no particular district, right. uh, you know, that there are only foreigners living in it unless, you know, the, the, the country decides that, okay, all foreigners live here. That's not a good, right? no, no, let's not yeah. do that. It's yeah. kind of sad to see how those changes which were meant to give uh, more representation actually only solidified the strength of the two parties. It, it yeah. seemed to work against. Now, you've been in, in the politics and you mentioned how it was Hanara Dang and Sinuri Dang. And they change their names all the time. Korean politics yeah. from the outside seems mm-hmm. really difficult. They're changing their colors, their names, everything all the yeah. time. What's, yes. it like, what's it like day to day? You know, when you're inside there with these characters, can you give us any insight into... Korean politics from the inside, Jasmine? The reason why I said there's no particular, there's no great divide when mm. it comes to, you know, the conservatives or, uh, you know, the, 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 the Democratic Party, the Conservative mm. Party and the Democratic Party here in Korea. So that's Kuminehim. And there's n- the two major parties, there's no really that big a divide. Mm-hmm. I mean, inside the assembly, within the National Assembly, um, Besides the bigger, you know, the bigger and uh, besides the bigger issues, the very political issues. Maybe on North Korea. I mean, besides that, it may be not uh, North Korea probably or, you know, a a presidential bet of some Mm -hmm. sorts. Mm -hmm. Um, Besides that particular big thing, everything is the same within the assembly. I mean, they try to they they, they manage to adjust every single bill. Um, and it's sort of a give and take. Mm-hmm. What's happening inside is a give and take. Like, okay, I'm going to uh, you know step. Uh, I'm going to take one step backward in this, but in that in in the other um, in the other thing uh, in in another bill, can you please take one step backward as well? So it's always a neg- negotiation. Mm-hmm. There are always talks. Um, it might not seem like that. It might seem like you're fighting outside, especially in media, because that's what uh, it's supposed to look like. But mm-hmm. in the inside, it's kind of like a lot more easier to negotiate without the prying eyes of the media or of the people outside. That's that's kind of sad, I think, that there's not yeah. you know, that the conflict is done for the media, but inside there's more agreement. What, how, yes. um, I'm not sure how much you would understand 
want to go into this, but how influential are certain figures inside there? Is it run on sort of charisma and certain powerful figures or is, is it more factional based? Or what's that like, Jasmine? Um, for each party, I cannot say for, for, for everyone, mm. but uh, when I was in, in, in the assembly, yeah. it was more of a, um, you know, Koreans, it was, it only becomes factional mm. comes and uh, when it comes election time right yeah that's the, that's the biggest thing that you can see that it becomes factional because of that because we have different factions trying to push for you know for their bet to become the majority floor leader you know to become the party leader that's mm -hmm. where you see the divide but besides that more so on the bigger scale of things uh, we always try to uh, make sure that things are negotiated upon. Mm. Uh, there might be one or two voices who, you know, who might be uh, on the negative side or who might not agree to what the entire party has agreed upon. But most of mm. the time, um, when you send like party leaders or majority or floor leaders mm. to a meeting together, it's been talked upon within the party itself and voted upon. Uh, and since it's a vote, not everyone will agree on it. But sure. then since it was voted upon, then you actually try to formulate how you will actually deal with the other um, floor leader when it comes to trying to push the uh, issues that you or the agendas that uh, is, you know, of course, more yeah. positive to your party. It's um, hopefully there. There is change in these politics. Um, I know you've uh, been pushing hard for for many things, anti discrimination laws and things like this that seem seem important for people in the country. I think um, mm -hmm. just just looking forward, Jasmine, to maybe uh -huh. like uh, a final question, perhaps. Um, I know you're doing lectures at various institutions around the country. Um, where is Korea today? What can it do going forward? What should it be doing going forward? What should I be doing? We be doing? You be doing? What's mm -hmm. you're an optimist, I think, but is the yeah. future optimistic? <laughs> what do we do in real life? How does it play out? Yeah, actually, I uh, la I, I, it was two weeks ago when I went uh, to the countryside to do a lecture, and uh, mm. it was an open lecture. So you know, people who wanted to listen to the lecture will just come and sign in, or will just drop by the place. Mm -hmm. And I was really so surprised because most of the people who came yeah. are in their like either late forties or fifties to sixties. Yeah, and they know that it was me who is going to do the lecture, mm -hmm. and they are there to listen. Uh, it was it was like. A That's big cool. thing for me because most mm -hmm. of the time, most of the time when I do lectures, you know, they are for a particular uh, set of people. You know, you don't you, you don't sign up for it. You know, it's either, you know, students that are being brought together yeah. or, you know, a, 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 an NGO, uh, an NGO group that's being brought together or mm -hmm. members of an NGO being brought together. So it's mostly like it's not mostly an open you know, open lecture where people can sign up. And I was really so surprised that people from that particular age bracket yeah, that's great. would come to that lecture. And they were also under I mean, not understanding, they were also keen mm. to listen to what I have to say and to the changes that, you know, to what should we do? Mm. That they, they were asking me about that. But um I think 
with the way, I mean, being here in Korea for 25, 26 years, yeah. um, I think we're trying, what, what the big thing that I am seeing is that we're still in the phase where we're trying to not look at the big p- picture, but uh, try to just um, get little parts of the little things, uh, of little things and yeah. get it fixed little by little. What I am saying is the fact that uh, when I, the, uh, when I worked for, like, let's say, for the rights of the migrant kids, for the invisible children, those are, mm-hmm. those are one of the uh, main goals that I've had uh, in the assembly. What I call the invisible children are those born here in Korea who cannot be registered uh, in Korea because their families are, you know, here undocumented mm-hmm. or they, their families cannot um, uh, register them in, in the country uh where they are from mm. for various various reasons so these kids are going up here without uh here in korea speaking korean yeah. thinking that they are korean but they don't actually have a nationality per se and they don't even have like records of birth because we did not have that mm. that's why i i had the so this is a a bill for uh, the rights, um, uh, securing the rights of migrant children. Mm-hmm. And um, it was phased out and it was really a very, very big deal. It has the most numbers of, uh, of uh, what do you call that? Of, of that cool of messages, mm-hmm. yeah. of messages mm-hmm. in the assembly, in, in the assembly uh, web page where people, where 95% of the people are against it. Like they were really so surprised that a particular bill can gather fifteen thousand comments, right? <laughs> in in the assembly, like not a lot of people are very much interested with all of the other bills. You can sure. see one, less than ten, and then they see suddenly fifteen thousand, and that's what kind a lot. Of comments were they, they positive comments? Like negative, negative. ninety five percent of them are against the bill. But then again, so it 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 got you know it got scratched Attention. by the end of my term. Mm. But then again, what I'm seeing right now, uh, for the past few years, the uh, government is actually trying to adopt each one of the clauses that was within the uh, the bill that I made and mm. putting it into policy these days. So um, I think great. the uh, yeah the biggest fact uh, and the last bill that I actually. Um, uh, passed in the assembly that I actually wrote in the assembly before I finished my term is um, trying it's a bill regarding having an agency in the government that only um, concentrates yeah. on immigration and how it is in Korea. I mean, we cannot just benchmark um, the immigration policies in, let's say, Germany. Mm-hmm. Especially Germany, we have sure. been ber- benchmarking a lot because you know they were also divided and we're also divided, and they're also using you know benchmarking a lot of um, uh, policies in Germany, and they're using it here in Korea. But then that's not Germany is not Korea. They are Absolutely. an immigrant country, and we are not an immigrant. And Korea is not an immigrant country. Mm. And uh, you know, Korea is not even uh, trying to. Um, call itself an immigrant country mm-hmm. and they don't even have a word for you know those who are trying to come to migrate here in korea like mm-hmm. we have immigration and emigration and we only have like emin that is 
that is that denotes you know people going out of Korea. Mm. So we don't even have a definition for who is iminja. Right. We don't have a definition for imin for migration here in Korea. No legal definition of some sort. The only definition we have uh, in the law is tamuna kajong, multicultural mm. family. You know, a family that's made up of Korean married to a foreign national. Mm. We don't have any. Other we d- we have different words for different people for different foreign people for different expats here in the nation. So I said we have we should have because most of the bills, of course, most of the um, things that people will uh, foresee is only for uh, four years or five years the longest, and that's because that's the term of national assembly members or of the president. Mm. And we should have a separate entity, a separate body who is actually trying to figure out what's going to work. For Korea, I mean, for you yourself, you know, a lot of foreigners who are actually um, really so confused because of the different changes when it comes to visa policies every mm-hmm. single year. And yeah. that's really so hard to cope up with because the government kept on changing itself according to what's happening in the society. If there are certain issues and then they change this, yeah. if there is a certain agenda and then they change this, you know, you're just out there there's no particular foundation of what uh, uh what policies should be there and should not be there for expats here in the nation mm. for immigrants here in the nation let's say that so uh i needed a, a a body you know a a an agency of the government who are actually trying to look forward on how korea will look like on how the demography of korea will look mm. like 10 years, 20 years from now, we have to answer if we're not going to be an immigration or an immigrant country, just like the U.S., just like Germany, just like all of those immigrant country, big immigrant countries out there, Mm. then we should actually try to figure out who are we going to accept? How many are we going to accept? and, and, And how are we going to do that? This should be in line with how the government are trying to look forward, not just, okay, oh, we need workers because, you know, there is too much to harvest and we don't have people to work for it. We have to be looking forward to that already because the population is dropping. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're just trying to do bandage policies, you know, oh, oh, we have, we have problem here, here, let me take a bandage. Let me just, you know, put a temporary cure on it. There's mm-hmm. no temporary cure on it. We cannot, you know, um, we cannot, uh, we cannot push away people who are already here, and we cannot just right. accept every single person. So we have to have like a standard of how are we going to face immigration and how are we going to do this? And we have been doing that already anyway with the workers. I mean, we only have, uh, we are only accepting for the. I mean, the, I'm only talking about the E9 workers, the employment permit system workers for the factories and the construction. We have only 16 countries. We are only accepting uh, workers from 16 particular countries. Then that's good. I mean, if that's what the government, if that's what we want as a nation, then we should, you know, just make it make it clear on what we're going to do, who are we going to accept, and how are we going to do it. To, to do it, but no agency in the government is actually doing the planning for that thing. I, you're right. It needs long-term systems in mm-hmm. place that don't just flip-flop according to media stories or what's politically expedient in the short term. Needs those mm-hmm. long-term visions, those standards, and uh, mm-hmm. I hope you're part but, of that conversation and you continue to be. I hope so as well. But people are a bit 
um, I know where the hesitance comes from. They're mm-hmm. hesitant to to make an agency such as that because it would feel like they are actually um, trying to be an immigrant country. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's just a change in mindset for the society, for the people. Mm-hmm. Like when I first went to the to, to the assembly, the very first bill that I actually passed is. Um, uh, trying to have uh, a mandatory education regarding in understanding multiculturalism and diversity in Korea. And I was putting it mandatory for elementary, middle, high school, government employees and teachers because they are who, I mean, they are the people who are uh, really responsible for a lot of things. Yeah. Especially in you know, education of the young generation. We Absolutely. should start with them. Of course. But then again, you know, one of the questions that I really was so surprised about when we were discussing it within the assembly, mm. well, there was a question. member of the yes, the mem- there was a member of the assembly who actually asked, um, I don't think we can do this as a mandatory thing because I don't think uh we have discussed it with uh, you know, with the nation if we are going to be a multicultural society or not. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> So it's really, I mean, that's from the inside. Yeah. That's th- those people are lawmakers, legislators, and if they think like that, we're a long way from home. Isn't it the case that lawmakers? I've I've never found a, a an answer to this, but I feel that lawmakers in South Korea, looking from the outside, bear that in mind that they will often go with what the public want, what is popular, yes. rather than in terms of actual. Constitution or values or something, but they'll mm-hmm. do this kind of shigi sangjo and they'll push things down mm-hmm. the line. And mm-hmm. in some sense, that's kind of democratic because it's what the public wants. But in the other Once, sense, yeah. in the other sense, it's also like no, there needs to be some values, and sometimes the lawmakers need to push things through that are good for some people, mm-hmm. even though the public might have some hesitancy. Right? Yeah, I know that. That's what happened to the anti-discrimination bill. That's what's been happening to it. Yeah. And um, um, honestly, one of the things when we passed the refugee bill, mm. we have a refugee bill and we're not an, an immigrant country. That's really so funny. But when anyway, we, when was the refugee bill? That was uh, passed, in, I think, in 2008 before I even came to the assembly. And okay. it was... Um, it was, uh, I think it was uh, re, what do you call, uh, I forgot the word. Um, uh, they did a, a, a revamp of it mm-hmm. uh, uh, back when I was in the assembly. That was, I think, back in 2015 or something. Oh, 2011. But anyway, right. it's been there in 2011. It passed. It, there was a lot of uh, people who were against it. But then again, it passed. And one of the biggest reasons is because of how they actually um, how they actually explain to people what this is. Mm-hmm. Korea is an OECD country. Yeah. And Korea uh, is a part of the global community. And Korea... Uh, is a part of the UN and, you know, the Korean War. You know, there were a lot of refugees for the Korean War. A lot of people accepted us. I mean, they framed it as mm-hmm. something that the global community needs Korea to do. Mm-hmm. It was framed as sort of like that. An obligation. It became something. easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It became easier for the society to accept it. Oh, yeah, we're global. Yeah, we're a big country now. We should be doing this. This is our responsibility 
to the universe of some sorts. It becomes easier for people to accept mm. that. And it's it's not like that with every other bill, especially when it comes to immigration. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of people. Uh, I mean, it's how you frame it, actually. And yes, you are correct when you know when people. That's what happened to uh, before I came to an assembly. I know when I when when I was in the assembly, mm. there was a bill from um, Senuridang and a bill from Minjudang back then. Mm. Uh, one was an anti-discrimination bill from Minjudang, and one is actually a. Uh, a, I think a human rights bill or something from Senuridang. Mm-hmm. And they were all uh, pulled back. When you sign uh, here in Korea, when you sign a bill, when you co-sign a bill yeah. uh, as a member of the National Assembly, you cannot take your name off the bill unless the main uh, proposed, the, the, the person who is the main proposed, uh, the main person who proposed the bill mm. takes the entire bill out. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, out of the uh, what do you? I'm I'm lost for words. Unless but they anyway, remove it completely, your name unless is they on remove the bill. it completely, yeah. yeah. When unless they remove it completely, you're you cannot take your name off if you co-sign it. Only the main proposal, uh, uh, the, the person who proposed the bill, uh, can uh, actually remove it altogether. And uh, it was so sad because all both of those bills from two different parties, from the two major parties, mm. they both uh, are talking about anti-discrimination and equality mm-hmm. for the people. Why were they removed? Because of, you know, uh, the freedom to express your, you know, for, for sexual expression. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, of course, the uh, churches, the religious community, and a lot of other people were against it, pushing it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so what they did was, you know, all of those people who co-signed mm-hmm. this particular bill, um, they pushed them. They called for, they called the offices. You know, they warned them that what's going to happen to them on the next election. And because here, yeah, you know, if you're a, a politician, you're worried what's going to happen to you, especially when it comes to the churches, because they have a yeah. lot of people. Right. They have a lot of followers. And what happened was. You know, these members of the assembly who are being forced by the people uh, from their districts are actually talking and convincing, you know, the person who proposed uh, the bill itself to pull it out, pull it out, pull it out. Mm -hmm. And what happened was both parties pulled that particular bill out. It's uh, and I don't this know if it's religious like, lobbying. Yes. You, this is you attribute this to sort of Christian lobbying groups that uh, influence. What they were saying is because of the uh, yeah. If if people remove way back then, they did not even say that because they don't want this, they don't want that. There are religious uh, sectors, there are non-religious sectors as well who are against, uh, you know, who are against a freedom of sexual expression. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, of course, that's the biggest. Uh, that's the biggest thing that they actually were thinking about. I mean, they're okay with everything else except for that. But then again, if you ask them directly, okay, so if we remove this particular part, are you okay for it to be passed? Will it pass mm-hmm. the, um, um, uh, what do you call this? Will it pass uh, the legislation? Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, well, we'll have to think about it again. So uh, that's one of the biggest things. Um one particular thing, and you know, someone I just wished someone. I mean, they are two big parties, they are two major parties. Yeah. They can actually just mix it all together 
build one team and push it. They can, mm-hmm. right. but they did not. Yeah, and it's That's, interesting yeah. why they haven't. I mean, because we often hear mm-hmm. about sort of human rights and progressive people in in South Korea, but there's always mm-hmm. so much hesitancy with this yeah. amongst the the Democratic Party and the Conservative Party mm-hmm. and other elements. Mm-hmm. So it's so frustrating, I guess, to see why it doesn't yeah. go through when they have the ability to. They have the, mm-hmm. the assembly majority at some points. Yeah. So it's really, it, it, it is a very, very big, I mean, just look at me. I am a part of, a, of the majority party way back then, mm. of the majority party way back then. I was thinking, you know, if I am pushing um, for this particular, I will have a lot of help from people, from party members, because yeah. they took me in, you know, I, uh, so they probably would be, you, know, you cannot expect a hundred percent of, 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 I mean, you cannot expect everyone um, uh, agreeing with you, but at least I, I can have more than I would have. But I, uh, I'd say, you know, not a lot of people are very much interested in the agendas that, and the issues that I'm pushing. And that's really sad.